Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Mira, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Hello, and thank you for tuning into another episode of the Toddcast Show. Today, we're joined with David Green. Hi, David. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? Doing great, man. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from a city called Beit Shemesh, which is about a half hour away from Jerusalem. Wow, in Israel. Yeah, in Israel. That's cool, man. What's it like living in Israel? Were you born there? It's uh, no, I wasn't born. I was born in Canada, and uh, I uh, was raised there. And I went through a whole process that ended up leading me here. Um, and uh, I've been living here 21 years, but I spent quite a few years here earlier, like when I was in my 20s and my early years of marriage. Uh, so this is this is my home. I breathe this place, and the, the intermittent time that was in Toronto. I just didn't feel I was in. I didn't feel home, you know. Even though I grew up there, yeah. Uh, something about something about my soul feels like I'm connected to my home here. Actually, I have a video on on, on uh, YouTube that uh, got about 150,000 views, and that's a song I wrote just all about my love for Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem Eye of the Universe. Um, but. Um, yeah. God's you know, country. A man. lot has happened in between. Yeah, it's an amazing place to be. I can imagine. I can imagine. And so you were born and raised in Canada. Uh, do you have um, siblings and uh, a big family, yep. small family? I have, I have a, a brother and two sisters. And uh, the two sisters also came and moved to Israel. Uh, and wow. my brother haven't seen since COVID, so, but he's coming for one of my kids getting married uh, in a week and a half. 
so he's coming here for that. So uh, I think we're all going to be together and uh, reunite. My parents, before they passed away, lived here for a while as well. Uh, so uh, we're from Toronto, but we but we uh, all have a, our hearts here, and uh, and it's it's a connecting point for now. Now so many such a big family here because my my sisters also have a lot of kids and grandkids. So it's uh, we have a big. We call it the green team. Right on, man. Um, how did you know? Like, that's a big jump. Um, how did you know that that was the place to go and you were willing to take that leap of faith, if you will? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, the story. It really, it really happened because I was immersed in the music business when I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be this prodigy. And I, I had this sort of vision that by the time I'm 20, if I haven't made it big, then I'm over the hill. I was like, my 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 life was running so fast at a pace when I was 16 that that um, it, it was like almost like like I was out of touch with myself because my my vision of what I wanted to achieve was greater than me. It wasn't the it wasn't it wasn't really sincere or you know verified yet it was just like that's what i want to do i'm going to go after it i'm going to run fast and i'm going to i'm going to reach my goal and what happened was uh i started working with this uh a black artist an amazing singer um and we were doing r&b music i came from more of a jazz background but cool. we we're doing r&b music and, and and we went to la because the sound it's like toronto's too clean a city it didn't have that soul to it you know Mm -hmm. So I went out to L.A. and I worked with a producer who had won numerous Grammy Awards. And uh, he really was intrigued with, with me at the time. I was 18. He was like, intrigued with this you know, young composer. And uh, what happened was he was nominated for a Grammy um, but couldn't accept it. So really? he asked me if I would accept it on his behalf. Was and he like I, on? What was he on parole or house arrest or what? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, he was probably recording another Grammy Award uh, album. I was watching him teasing. He won numerous awards in the past. He's a guy named Gene Page, awesome. really, really talented um, arranger. Uh, anyway, so uh, he said I could accept his award for him. And wow. so I, uh, I got, uh, I rented a tuxedo and I got into this limousine he sent me. I'm heading down the highway in, in, uh, in LA and uh, uh, suddenly this like incredible anxiety took over me. And I got so scared that I was going to go up there and accept this award and forget his name. So, you know, uh, <laughs> I want to thank you on behalf of Je Joe something, you know, like I yeah. was just so scared because you're in front of thousands of people in the stadium, but there's like another, you know, millions of people watching on television. They watch the Grammys as one of the well-watched oh, yeah. shows, you know. You so see. I was just afraid of standing up in front of all these people and just making a total fool of myself. I think that's when I became religious. I wasn't uh, religious at all. <laughs> I, I, that's when I prayed to God, you know, please make him lose. Yeah. Don't, make, don't put me up on that stage. The thrill of being up there was not worth the embarrassment of possibly messing up. How did it go? So, so what happened is, thank God he didn't win, but I was invited to a, a big uh, party because I was a nominee, right? So there was a big party afterwards, and at that party, 
there's there's different rooms like the Count Basie Orchestra played the jazz room. There was the disco room, and then there was a room with all this food and televisions playing the Grammys, and all that was like all the VIPs in that room mingling, you know, trying trying to make deals and stuff like that. And my idol was there, a person who was like the ideal musician, but the one I was running after becoming. He was like an incredible jazz musician who had achieved uh, a really big pop of success who? without any sacrifice to his integrity. I don't want to say his name, as you'll see in, in a minute, but this, okay. this musician that I saw was like my hero. Okay. And I looked at him and he looked totally depressed. And he was just sitting there smoking a joint with Chuck Mangione, which was a big trumpet player at the time. Oh yeah. Um, and and he looked so depressed. And I suddenly stopped in my tracks. This this 18 year old who was running really, really, really fast to get somewhere. And there I saw where I was running to, and it and he wasn't happy. And I said to myself, you know what? I, I better discover what makes me happy and then use my music as an expression of that as opposed to the other way around and run after being something and getting there and being an unhappy person. That that realization just completely changed my life. And I decided to go to college. I went to Bloomington, Indiana for music school for composition there. And then I, I, I felt somewhat lonely there. I felt like like a lot of hypocrisy in my in my identity. Religiously, I felt certain things I wanted and certain things I didn't want, and and uh, I, I had to get out of there. I said, you know what? I got I got to go find myself. And um, as a Jew looking for my soul, you know, trying to discover who I was, the most obvious place was to go to Israel. And when I came came here, my life was transformed. My music became so much more beautiful and authentic. I just, you know, like playing music that came from a, 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 um, someone who was excited about life, someone who was, you know, learning. And I went to what's called the yeshiva, which is where we study Judaism and we question how do you know that the God and how do you know the Bible's true and all these kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. um, and I was with a, a bunch of guys that were, you know, asking amazing questions. Like one guy, he wrote a thesis in college called There Is No God. That was his thesis. And so he, he's sitting there in the classroom throwing one argument after another at the rabbis, and they just kept knocking down one after another. We're like yeah. uh, getting into it more. And just being in the beauty of uh, an apartment overlooking the Western Wall in Jerusalem. That's where I live. So, you know, the inspiration of that and, 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 and numerous other things that surrounded that um, brought me to living to Israel. And, and, and this, it just became my home. And it became part of my, my blood. And I say that the, when you're in Israel, the, the, uh, it's like an amplifier of, of the soul. Like, you can hear your own self much more when you're here. Wow, man. Did you meet your wife there? No, it's funny. I, I met my wife when I had to go back to Toronto to visit my parents. And um, I, uh, um, someone said, you know what, I know, I know a really nice girl. She's studying in Wurzweiler in, in social work school in New York. And um, I said, well, okay, I'll go to New York to meet her because I was dating here in Israel. 
there was nobody that was suitable for me. So I went there, and uh, it's funny, uh, uh, like uh, in a, a year before that, a friend of mine and I were playing this game, you know, like uh, where you ask what's your favorite color, and that's the way people perceive you, and what's your favorite animal, and that's the way you perceive yourself. This was like a little psychology game we played. So I said my favorite color was gray, with this line of pink running through it. This, <laughs> this is our arts and culture, you know. So yeah. what happened was when I when I went out with my wife, I had to know like who she was, how how am I going to identify her? So they told me she's wearing a gray dress with a pink belt. <laughs> oh, there you go. So there you go. There, there, I knew I had to marry her. That was it. That's uh, cool, man. And she said to me, "Ha, you must be Dovey." Because she had a southern accent, and I was about to say, "Bye, I'm not marrying no hillbilly," you know. <laughs> Jesus. So we, but we we took um, we took uh, we went out for about a month. Um, I stayed in New York, and uh, then we got engaged. Right on. Um, man. And thank God, you know, this is like 36 years later, and we have eight kids and 16 grandkids. That's a beautiful thing, and I assume that your values are really in line, and all of that. You two uh, finish each other's sentences. It sounds like that kind of marriage. Yeah, but the truth is, we're very different from each other, and um, that's part of that's part of the beauty of the relationship. Like when I was in college, you know, I always thought I wanted a girl who like thought like me and was like me, and that, mm -hmm. you know, if you're if, if you can't, you shouldn't marry yourself. You should marry somebody who brings out the beauty in yourself and you know you can bring out in them by attributing something different and uh, one of the books I wrote uh, called a book about you I, I talk a lot about different types of personalities um, but based on what's called the sphere of the, uh, the, the, the it's a, a mystical concept of, of how God shines his light in the world and and the forefathers Abraham Isaac and Jacob each represent one of these three spheres. And uh, my my wife is what's called a chesed personality. She's totally a people person. She loves to give. She you know she can lose track of time because she's you know gets completely involved in the people around her. And I'm what's called a futuric personality, which is more creative, intellectual, um, inventive. That's the type of personality. I am. And uh, it, we we complement each other because we. But both bring something very important to the table that's very different. You yeah. Know? Like if you want if you want to make a business and everybody's the same personality, the problem is that uh, nothing's going to get done because everyone wants to do the same thing. You need people who are who are naturally skilled at different things to mm -hmm. make it you know make it a real team so that you contribute to each other. And, yeah. and uh, that took time. That took time for me to learn at the beginning of our marriage. It was sort of hard. I felt sort of like the loneliness even in my marriage because like she was t too different from me. But uh, when we sort of let go of that superficial expectations that we form from our Hollywood movies or whatever, you know, like the, you picture a guy walking into a bar and he sees a girl and and uh, their eyes connect and they're madly in love and they walk out together and everyone's looking at these two beautiful people. And then, of course, later he finds out she only speaks Russian, you know. <laughs> but, but these these impressions, you know, are, are very dangerous because then we look for them in relationships, and they're they're just very superficial. 
So the love that we built in our marriage is, is a real love. It's not based on matching Hollywood. It's based on both teaching each other, learning about who we are, how different we are, raising kids together, having common visions. That's also extremely important. Having yeah, the same vision of what we're trying to build is that that's, you know, I use an example of let's say let's say you're working on a on a in a marketing company, right? And you have a project you want to present to a client. So this guy who has never never had anything to do with this girl working there, that they're both working on on the project together, and it's very very unlikely that they won't start spilling some sparks of romance because if they're working on something higher than themselves together, that's a bonding experience. So in my marriage, we both have the same vision of what we're building and a family and the goal, the values that we have are the same. But the awesome. path to get there are different. So we're, we're bound by that difference, but with the common goal. Yeah, man, it's almost like you're covering more ground, but you're ending up at the same destination together. Exactly, exactly. That's cool. Let me ask you something. Um, with that length of marriage, you probably have advice I'm guessing for couples out there that struggle with uh, similar things, and I mean, marriage is complicated from uh, what I've heard, and uh, a lot of people end up in divorce. How, you know, what would you say to people that would contemplate giving up on that something special? You know, outside, of course, infidelity and things like that, you know, that's a given, but, you know, what would you say to couples that struggle with, like, man, you know, it's like I'm getting bored or whatever how do they stay connected with the love that was there in the beginning it seems like somehow it gets lost along the way or something well i think the, the first thing is uh as the the, the the famous quote from the bible love your neighbor as yourself mm -hmm. and that applies very much to marriage you should love your neighbor as yourself but how could you possibly do that how could you really love somebody as much as you love yourself so there's this idea that the only way that you can love somebody else is if you first love yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. First love yourself and then you gain two things. One, if you love yourself, you believe that what you're offering your spouse is valuable because you love yourself. So you know you have something to give. But if you're suffering from low self-esteem and you don't believe in who you are, then you're never trusting that the other person is truly loving you. And the other thing is that if you love yourself, you know, you, you, you believe that you have what to offer. Like, I'm a great guy, I got something to offer her, and therefore I'll be happier because I'll be, both trust that I'm being loved for who I am and trust that I have what to offer somebody that's valuable. And a lot of, a lot of marriages, suffer from one at least one of them suffering from a low self-esteem issue um, and so uh, what I focus on to help people is I make sure that they both independently work on self-esteem I know of a great rabbi who passed away he was a very big psychiatrist who started a, a big um, rehab place in Pittsburgh and he wrote 80 books and he says even though they all have different titles, they're all about self-esteem. Because that's like, that's, that can destroy the relationship. And self-esteem is something that we can acquire. It's not something that 
you just you know are born with or you're nurtured by your parents you know if you had uh, emotionally abusive parents then you're going to have low self-esteem that is many people uh, let me ask you no no please it's okay i just want to interject um you're making me think of things and i gotta jump in just to make sure we don't forget um how would you say that people would identify first of all that they have low self-esteem or something along those lines and then what do they do to address it well one one way to tell is if if you feel threatened by things that you, your, your spouse says to you you know like there's a certain um, honesty that we sometimes have with ourselves but not with the people we're with in other words you know that you shouldn't be arguing about something you know they're right but you're afraid to admit it you know the ego gets in the way there's a defensiveness of that many couples have that prevent them from getting along and if a person feels solid on the ground they have a good sense of self then when 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 someone tells them you know what I think you should say that in a nicer way I think you should you know should have treated that person who came to the door in a, a warmer more friendly way you know I'm not gonna go you know how dare you say that you know that's not true you shouldn't have said you know I'm gonna say you know what you know she's she's more naturally that way and I'm not and I, I I should learn to to put more effort in that area because I love myself enough not to feel threatened as a person when I'm being given a rebuke for something Absolutely. Um, and it doesn't mean we should always try to rebuke each other we, 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 we already know so much about each other that it's usually just a little reminder that that uh, you know she'll give me that, you know what that, that that guy you know that you should have and I'll know what you're talking about already from that hey uh, we built a relationship you know so a lot of a lot of couples need need to first work on the, their self-love and then the tools to love each other will become much more natural okay here's a here's a tricky one but uh, it does kind of dive deep into our society with social media and whatnot and I, I like to hit on this subject just to get different perspectives um, but what's the difference between self-love and narcissism um, self-love is based on the reality of who you are what I mean by that I'll, I'll get a little more spiritual now to, to understand what that means please is um, we we believe that when God created the world he breathed into us a divine soul that's a soul which is untouchable in other words there's an absolute value of a soul that's created in the image of God which is a very big topic which my second book deals with called pictures of your soul which is you know dealing with the anatomy of the soul but if you understand that within yourself you have this incredibly valuable gold mine inside well then that's an absolute that's that's but it's not based on how great am I how much money I've earned how many girls I've dated it's not, it's not it's not based on these externalities it's based on something that was actually given to me it's not what I actually built 
I was given to me. God gave me a divine soul, which is absolutely beautiful. And um, even though we all have certain things in common, just like you can go to the same eye doctor, and they can work on my eyes just like you can work on yours, and even though our eyes are different colors, there's the commonality that we all have. We all breathe. We all walk and eat and, and have various desires. But at the same time, there's no people, two people have the same fingerprint, and there's no two people have the same soul. But the soul has a lot of commonality, but there's a, there's a tremendous amount of individuality in that as well. And if you recognize that, then when you, if I were to try to dig for a gold mine in my backyard, not knowing if there's gold there, it could be a very, very frustrating experience. But if I dig for a gold mine, knowing that there's one inside of me, there's a divine soul inside of me, then it's a very sincere process that actually the journey itself becomes exciting. The Journey to the Real You, that's actually the title of my second album, or my first album, called Journey to the Real You. All the songs are about the process of digging into who you really are and discovering that beautiful divine soul. So a narcissist is all based on their external uh, projection of their, uh, you know, of being successful at convincing other people of their greatness and and falling into a trap of believing it by, 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 you know, watching the reaction of people or looking at themselves in the mirror. But uh, a true self-esteem has to come from a sense of humility, not from a place, a place of arrogance. Humility is recognizing that God gave it to you, not that you built it somehow yourself. It's our obligation to build it, to continue it, and to and do with it what we, you know what we're here to do in this world. But uh, it's it's not an it's not an ego trip. It's a humility trip. Totally, man. And you mentioned the soul several times, and I've always been a true believer that the soul is much bigger than the body, and it lives on. And you know, who knows what happens? But there's something quite mystical and magical about the soul, and we all have them. Um, let me ask you personally, what makes you feel connected to, to someone? Uh, I believe it's a soul thing, but uh, what is it for you that makes you feel connected to somebody? Like, first time. Well, it's very, it's very much a soul thing. And, and, and that has a lot to do with the consciousness that you have about what's about spirituality in the first place. In other words, if you're a spiritual person, meaning that you're in tune with your spirituality, um, th then when you meet another person, you say, well, I'm meeting someone else who's created in the image of God. I'm meeting another person who has a soul, and I can look into their eyes and feel a connection to that soul and communicate with them and feel, wow, it's awesome. They're thinking and speaking, and I'm communicating with them. It's sort of like you, you can actually have a, a trip just thinking about how amazing it is that two people can communicate with each other that were created with the ability to do that that's those are two souls that are communicating it's not robots yeah, yeah you know yeah. what i'm saying energy like right you're, you're in arizona i'm in israel we're communicating in english and we're concepts are going to a mind that man doesn't even have the slightest concept of how it works yeah. you know scientists can study and see what's there but how it works it's 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 all extremely spiritual 
um, and and understanding the soul more helps tune you into that. And that's one of the things I try to help people with is tuning into their soul and becoming aware of it because uh, just as I said with self-esteem when it comes to experiencing other people and experiencing the beauty of life the more a person is aware on a soul level then they're actually a lot of things that bother us don't bother us anymore because it, well, that doesn't touch my soul that's 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 superficial you know mm -hmm. absolutely yeah it's hard to distinguish between those things i think a lot for folks and whatnot do you think that yeah. there are too many people in the world and too many people in the world yeah i know it's kind there of a strange, strange question but all this energy flying around and there's a lot of evil in the world too um you know do you think it's a product of there just being like an overcrowding or what's going on no no i don't think it's an overcrowding i think uh i think there's a big a master plan going on and uh the, the idea of people having hatred in their in their hearts is something that's been around you know since creation you know one of the first stories in the bible is uh, where Cain, Cain kills his brother Abel right it's it's unfortunately what happens is we actually have two souls we have what's called a divine soul and an animal soul and if you let the animal soul rule then it actually acts like a wild animal, even worse than a wild animal, because a wild animal it has has also an animal soul, but it's it's controlled. Where man can become more wild than a wild animal, because we have that second soul, which is something which is, if we lose control, then our divine soul gets squished down, and the the animal soul rules over us, and so much of the world is promoting being the animal soul it's what that's what entices us that's what the movies are saying that's what social media is saying that's what so much of what you know college life was like for me it was all about you know partying and 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 uh, not having much regard for what life is really about and and and, and that's that cultivates a a very shallow view of the world and uh, unfortunately, uh, that's something that's that's you know that's everywhere and and is communicated everywhere. And uh, so there's there's so much evil in the world, but but that's that's you know described to us uh, in in Jewish philosophy that you know we we've, we've been through the worst you know but we've been around for 3,500 years. Um, we've, there's numerous uh, phases of the Romans. They massacred us, but we're around and they're they're not. The Roman Empire died. The Greek Empire, you know, one 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 generation after another, we've seen that. But you know, we've become stronger through it. Uh, and the Holocaust probably was the worst of it. Um, and we we face the fact that there's evil in the world, but we put it into a certain perspective that allows us to go on and see life even through. The tragedies and the hatred that surround us. I live in probably the most dangerous part of the world. You know, I'm surrounded by countries that would like to annihilate us. But I go on every day living my life. You know, like you, we, you know, we, we, I'm involved in, you know, various activities that, and and you know, I I, I say, you know, 
Thank God I'm alive every moment, and, and that's that's an appreciation I I wouldn't have if I wasn't seeing the vulnerability of life. So people who are living in Hawaii and lying on the beach all day, you know, they don't they don't have they don't have to think about this kind of stuff. No, but no, in no. The way that negativity <laughs> in the world makes you wake up to the positive as well. Yeah, man, and I meant to ask that actually when I asked you about what you. Uh, you know, how you feel connected to others. What about in the face of danger? Like, how do you know that someone's dangerous? Like, this gets into something I wanted to talk about relating to the soul and how it perceives danger versus something safe that you can invest your energy in. Because that same person that, you know, it looks like a nice person could very well end up shooting or robbing you. and. You know, not necessarily in your world, but I'm thinking like in Chicago or New York and whatnot, there's a lot of that kind of stuff happening. I'm just wondering, like, how do you perceive danger? That's a very primal instinct and prevalent, um, you know, for people in, in today's world. Right. I, I think that um, it's, an, it's inter an interesting thing where I live now, although I'm surrounded by enemies, um, there's like, you know, three-year-olds walking around the streets and you know they, the, it's it's very cute. You see all these little kids taking their brothers and sisters to school, and they're walking on the streets, and they they don't feel scared because it's more of an insular kind of environment. But when I when I lived in in, in Canada or when I was in LA, uh, it, there's there's a certain um, type of uh, judgment that you have to have to protect yourself against what you don't know and that means like you can't you, you can't expect to be so perceptive to see whether somebody is on your team or not and so therefore you have to put up your guard and be careful and even though you want to love everybody um, you can even love somebody who who can be harmful but you, still you shouldn't invite them into your home because of that some people have certain types of mental illnesses that are can be very very violent and you can still love them even though they have a, like a borderline personality issue um but you have to be realistic you know i i've got to protect myself and i have to protect my family mm -hmm. and um so even though they too have a beautiful soul but unfortunately they've been brought up in an environment let's say that that's very dangerous where the culture is on the streets and there's gangs and things like this and that they're victims of, of uh, being brought up in a way where that becomes normal. So, I, you know, I, I choose not to live in that type of environment because mm -hmm. it would be dangerous to do so and also because I'm inspired by being where I am. But, but I think that, that having, ha you know, you have to wear the love on one hand and you have to wear the protection, the, the caution on the other hand. And by having that balance, then you know who to embrace and who to move away from. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, I've been thinking about personality types. You know, there's all these different personality types. And, you know, you pointed out the value of balance and different personality types coming together. I think that's pretty interesting. Um, I know that you have an interest in something called the mystical secrets of personality. Can you talk about that? Yeah, um, there, there's, a, there's a concept that that God created man in His image. Now, God isn't 
isn't physical. So what do you mean in his image? So there's this idea that um, sort of like like a, if you imagine a light shining through a prism, before that light hits the prism, all you see is this white light. But when it goes through the prism, then it separates into, into different colors, right? Um, similarly, God shined his light into what's called infinite light into this world. And then it hit what's called sphero. There's 10 different, uh, almost like filters. And each filter grabbed another color, so to speak. The colors really are attributes of God. And there are three on top called Keser, Chachma, and Bina. And those are like two above us to be able to really, to relate to. But the next three are the first primary colors within the emotional world. And they're called Chesed, Gvur, and Tiferet. And every one of us is one of those personalities more than the other. And um, by learning about what those personalities mean, what those, what those mystical concepts mean, you're actually learning about the type of person you are. And one of the amazing things is that you're not only learning about all the positive qualities that, that, that you get from being that type of person, but you're also learning about the negative qualities that are come as part of the package. For example, um, let's say you, you have somebody who's a chesed personality, meaning they're, they just love to give, like I described my wife, she's a very loving, giving person. But, you know, if I want to meet her at a certain time, I usually tell her to be there at least 15 minutes before with, <laughs> because she's going to be late because she's going to see somebody she loves along the way. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. She'll, see this, she'll see this poor cat that needs milk, and she needs, she needs somebody needs to, to, do, to take some chairs up to the stairs. And the poor old lady that she met is suffering because she, you know, she, she's also a survivor of the Holocaust, you know. You know, and so if you know that that's your personality, it's going to come with those negative things as well. So it, what, it, what it does, it makes you become very accepting of yourself of even the negative qualities and also it points out that well if I'm that kind of personality I should work on being on time I'll you know I'll do that to myself I'll tell myself to be there 15 minutes earlier mm -hmm. so the, the, there's this the book I wrote called the book about you um, there's there's like a chapter on each of the personalities mm -hmm. and then it goes through okay how do I make decisions mm -hmm. using your personality type will help you make choices that you know, like your career choices should make sure you have enough of your, your, your main personality in that career so you'll feel alive and, and invigorated by what you do. Where if you you're choose a life that has very little of the types of juices that are natural to your soul, then you're going to feel disconnected and, and, and unhappy and dragged down. And it'll be hard to get out of bed in the morning because you're not looking forward to expressing something that's real, genuine to who you are. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I, I spent years trying to counsel people with uh, their types of personalities, and and we all are a blend of all three. But there's one that's primary, and by by you know just like you know there, there's no two Hesed personalities that are the same. They're a blend. But the primary one is the one that is deep into your soul that is looking to express itself in that way. And so I, I deal with that. I deal with, it's, it's interesting, uh, you're talking about uh, people who are dangerous. 
there's things that are dangerous to us spiritually as well. Mm. Like, let's say, let's say, um, you know, I, I used to teach in a, um, in a rehab place here in Israel. And um, I, I have a class called Spiritual Self-Defense. And um, what that is about is, like, let's say you're learning karate. And when you learn karate, you, it's a very slow process where, you know, you have to stand and you have to you learn how to punch and then you move back and do that a million times. And then you have to learn how to kick and then you have to connect kicking to punching. And it's, you learn a routine and then when you're in the back alley and someone's coming at you, you just like right away you have the, all, all the moves there as part of your consciousness. Similarly, on a spiritual level, that, um, you know, if somebody's, let's say, vulnerable to a certain type of immoral behavior, if they train themselves before to know that they're vulnerable to that, they'll know how to stay away from it so that they don't fall. Where, for example, if, if somebody's on a diet and they know they shouldn't go to the ice cream store, but yet they, there's two ways of getting to their doctor's appointment. So go the way that, where there's no ice cream store. Otherwise, what's going to happen is they're going to pass by the ice cream store and they'll say, oh, you know what? I, I have to use the bathroom and I'll go, in, I'll go use the bathroom inside the ice cream store. And then once in an ice cream store, they well, it's not nice that I use the bathroom without buying something, you know? And then the next thing you know, they break their diet and buy the ice cream, you know, out of responsibility almost, you know? But if they have the spiritual self-defense to stay away from that type of vulnerability, so then, then they, they'll, they'll win. And, and that's, that's something by knowing your strengths and weaknesses on a spiritual level. So then you know how to design your life around um, utilizing your strengths and protecting yourself from those weaknesses as well. Very cool, very cool. And all that makes you a better person, hence love, you know, loving yourself and all of that, that seems to illustrate that as well. Right. Yeah, that's that's awesome. What about um, you know the subject of you know being real, if you will, uh, you know being who you're supposed to be, living in your purpose and destiny, being the real you, if you will. Um, what would you say to that? Like in a world of illusion and you know people doing ridiculous things uh, just to get views that normal people would never do. Um, you know, what, what do people do to find themselves and to figure out what's really, you know, there's got to be, for every person, it sounds like you're saying there's a couple of options, but there's one that fits. And so how do you learn to become who you really are, if you will? Well, um, I, I don't want to use this as a promotion, but in my book, I help people discover which is their primary personality. But the, but there's a, there's a principle of... Um, there was there was a time uh, like a thousand years ago where there were thousands of prophets and these type of prophets are not like the ones we learn we read about in the books of the prophets these are prophets that could look at you and say you know what you're this type of personality let me describe to you who you really are and what your particular mission is in this world Okay, so now that would be an amazing thing to find out because now I know that I can do this, 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 and it's going to make me into a very happy person doing exactly what I was created to do here. But we don't, we don't have those prophets anymore. But what they saw in us 
what they were able to look and see doesn't that didn't disappear the, the prophets did but not what they saw in us which means that that message is still inside of us and therefore to discover who you really are takes the process of removing away all the distraction that blocks us from seeing that message inside of us and to do so there's like um a, a, a types of meditation that we have was an, I, I have an album called empty spaces that is really a meditation um and what it does is first is you become very aware of your breathing and you become aware of your body you sort of like climb up your body being aware and mindfulness meditation does a lot of this on what's called the nephesh level that's the first of the five levels of the soul and you become aware of that of first level and you tune into it and you calm yourself down and just be aware that you're alive and breathing is like the main focus but then there's another level which is entering into the infinite it's entering into a realm of like darkness and it can be scary because like you don't know where you are there and yet an infinite is the most spiritual thing there is god is infinite mm-hmm. it being entering into the realm of infinite means surrendering your ego surrendering your your physical desires setting 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 aside all those external things to be able to enter into a a, a zone of of this empty space um and and that's a very it's very um spiritual place to be in if a person can go through that sort of process and listen to who they are inside that will that personality and the drives of what they're really looking for in life will become naturally uh, very audible to them because they've moved away distraction but we live in a world today like you described where you know people are very confused but how could you not be confused in a world where not only is all kinds of distorted information coming at us with values that are not very very healthy um but but there's so much information that it's there's it's just static you know it's like you have a between the radio stations you have static that's what we have going through our minds because like people can't lift themselves up from their phones mm-hmm. you know uh the, i i um I got a book called eye disorder i read where they did all like these experiments of how people are addicted to their to their phones because they can't they can't let go of it because they don't feel online yeah well i i believe that if you put down your phone and then you connect to god that's really being online I'll yeah that. yeah yeah i understand that and i agree completely yeah the distraction of the mobile devices um i it's just beyond words man like it hits people in different ways and i mean they've got everybody from tiny children to very old people doing it and it's like holy and crap and also, also i it's all over the world like i was i i do uh, I, as an inventor i i have i developed products and i i i worked in one of the inventions i worked at a factory in china so i went there with my wife and we're on the subway there and nobody's looking at anyone they're all looking at their with their phones and right. it's unbelievable how today people 
their fingers are so fast on the on their on their on their keyboards or their phones. I don't know how they do it with their two thumbs just doing typing away. And you know, and then I watch you know my kids. They'll 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 go through uh, Instagram or or TikTok and and just go flying through information. You know, the the shorter videos are what you're supposed to do in social media. Make really short, tiny videos so that yeah. because people's attention span is so short. I remember when the days of Sesame Street, you know, everyone talked much slower. You watch it now, I'm sure it's at a much faster pace because yeah. everybody is so ADHD from the, the pace of acceleration of information. So, you know, that's a very unhealthy environment to know yourself. So you're asking for a very big thing, you know, when you say, like, in, in, in today's world, how can people come to know themselves? The, 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 um, the first thing that was said to the very first Jew in the Torah, Abraham, was lech lecha, which means go to yourself, which is the journey to the real you. That's what he was told, go to yourself. So the first part of that is go. You've got to get out of where you are and get out of that environment. And if you don't have the luxury of traveling to somewhere else, at least go in your room and shut the door and get, you know, get out of, um, you know, the coffee shop that you usually go to and around the people that you usually around and try to hear your own voice by removing yourself from all the distraction. That's the lech, that's the go. Lecha means to yourself, which means then you go on a digging process of discovering your inner voice. And, and this sounds very simple and in, in many ways it is, but people just aren't willing to take the time out to do so. They're just mm -hmm. too caught up in the pattern of whatever, the way they live their life. And uh, they're, they're, they're completely distracted. And in a way, it's very scary to stop and see yourself if you've not, you haven't done it. You know, I used to go on camping trips. I'd love to go canoeing in northern Ontario. Mm -hmm. You know, and be in a canoe on this perfectly calm lake. And, like, I feel this sense of oneness with God, even though I wasn't religious, that I knew... And I, I felt this incredible connection with nature and, and the beauty of the world. And, you know, we didn't have any phones. When I, when I was in college, I did something similar. I used to find myself, especially if I was feeling lonely and not like feeling alienated from the people at the parties that I went to. So I would, I would go to this park down the block from where I lived there. And there was this ditch in the park. And I would just lie in that ditch and I would be sort of like part of the earth. And I, ne I never knew why I liked to do that, but I used to go do that and lie there and just feel myself one with the earth. Right. And it was only later when I started learning more about spirituality that I realized that, yeah, we, the, the most uh, central prayer in Judaism is Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, God is one. It's recognizing that we are all one, we're all connected, it's all this unified world. And by just lying there and sort of melting into the earth, when I sort of nullify myself, then my total being comes out. It seems, it seems contradictory, but the truth is the more you're humble and the more you, 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 you make yourself small, the bigger you actually become, because the essence of who you are is spiritual and not physical. That's awesome, man. Well put. Well put. And uh, we're nearing the end of our time together. 
Um, I would like to talk a little bit about how people can gain value from your experience outside of this. Uh, if they want to learn more, um, you know, definitely I want to promote you. So tell me where can they find you and what can they find and how can they benefit from interacting with what you have to offer? Well, I have a website, um, which is realuproject.com, which should be easy to remember after this conversation, realuproject.com. Cool. And on there, I have links to two books that I wrote, a book about you and my new book, which is called Pictures of Your Soul. And if you buy that book, Pictures of Your Soul, from my website, and you, you, there's a coupon, you can get 30% off if you put in the word Todd. Oh, that's cool. Two, right on. Two, D, two Ds you need. Remember, Todd is with two Ds. Yeah. Um, and I have videos on there. I have one video on, on YouTube, which is called Jerusalem Eye of the Universe, David Green. Um, and that, that should come up. But it's also on my website. Um, there's a personality test, actually, on there that tells oh. you if you're a chesed or a tiferet personality. Um, so that's that's very cool. You take that and you see like the balance of each one of the personalities by answering 15 questions. Awesome. Um, so so the best place is to is to just go to my website realuproject.com, and that'll connect you to all the other uh, resources that there are. And uh, I don't do this for a living. Thank God I make my my uh, my livelihood from other things. And um, so everything there is just to try to help people become more enlightened, find themselves, be happier people, get along with their spouse, get along with their friends, and, and, and hopefully live a more enlightened life with, of spiritual awareness. Absolutely. And what about your music? Where can people hear your music? Well, the music's on, on there, so just like for previewing, but on all the streaming stations like Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon, you, you, you look up David H. Green. Okay. David Green won't do it because there's too many David Green. <laughs> so David, David H. Green will take you to two of my albums. Um, and um, on, my, on my website, there's one track that's there that's not on called Purple Stain. Uh, but that's a whole story, and we're out of time. So. <laughs> no worries. Pur purple stain, not like purple rain, though, right? No, no. I'll just tell you quickly. When I was in college, I was Go at ahead. a party, and I left, good. With a, I, I left with a friend on campus, and I just started singing. I got a purple stain all over my brain. Purple stain. Years later, I had a seizure, and I had to have an MRI and they injected a purple stain into my arm that went all over my brain as a oh. way to be able to in, in, investigate whether there was a dangerous uh, a cancerous tumor there or not. So <laughs> that song came true. So it's a pretty wild song telling that story as well. There wasn't, I hope. It, it was benign, but I still have to take medication, unfortunately, because they're afraid that, the, that this tumor could cause more seizures. We wouldn't want that happening while I'm driving down the highway. So no, 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 no. It's, unless you're in a Tesla, challenges I have to face. So. Unless you're in a Tesla, do you do you have those over there? <laughs> I actually do drive a Tesla. <laughs> oh, really? So you can put it on autopilot, right? <laughs> yeah, but it keeps asking if I have a seizure in a Tesla. It's not going to help me. Okay, so. that's the only value I can see in those darn things. Um, I mean, it's a long, <laughs> long, crazy story for me. I drive a BMW, but 
um, like the truth be told is, uh, you know, the autopilot feature, I think, is the scariest and coolest feature that was ever invented at the same time. <laughs> it is scary. It's scary. You have to surrender yourself to, to, uh, to, 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 to the Tesla technology, you know? Yeah, totally. Have you ever seen those videos that um, show, you know, how Tesla, when you're driving it, it shows human figures on the screen, like when you're driving around, right? Yeah, um, I see that on my own. Okay, and so there's apparently videos that are out there where the Tesla's driving and it's showing figures on the screen, but the video camera, there's nobody there. That's, that's really? A, oh yeah, really, yeah. You can go on YouTube right now and check it out, man. You gotta check it out. There's, there's a video channel on YouTube I like to watch that I'll share with you. I think it's, uh, teslacams.com or something. I don't know, but it's called Tesla Cams on YouTube. And I don't know what it is, but people hate those things. So like, they, the auto camera captures people doing everything from peeing to vandalizing these cars. Oh yeah, yeah. And then the same things, you know, they use them to drive around and they're like, look what my Tesla is showing me. And they're like, the camera's up in the window looking out. There's nobody there. Look down on the screen and there's like people that aren't there. Like, that's the kind of stuff I wonder about. That's fascinating to yeah. me. Yeah, you should... That's pretty bizarre. That's yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, look for it. Now that, now that I told you, you can look for ghosts when you go okay. driving around. <laughs> Uh, yeah. This is this has been really great, David Green, and uh, wow, you've come a long way since just 16. Um, I realize we're just about out of time, but take just one moment and tell me what would you say to your younger self if you had any message for that 16-year-old that was getting into the business? And I know you found your way perfectly, as as it seems God's plan. Uh, you know, what would you say, if anything, to your younger self? I would say slow down and um, make sure that what you're running after is what you really want. And not to exclude it, not to say it's not what you want, but you invest in knowing first before you throw your whole life into something that is going to take up so much of your energy and your personality and, and, and your time. You know, like, just make sure it's what you truly want. But to do that is not just, you know, flipping a coin. There's a very, very active process that you have to go through of inner digging through, you know, to find out who you are and, and make, just make sure that it's, it's, it's what we, we say is called the Shema for the right intention and not because of your ego and not because of uh, social pressure or parental pressure. Make sure that if, if your mommy wants you to be a doctor, then, then make sure you want to be a doctor first. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the, the, there are a lot of people who live the life where their parents are for the social pressure around them. Because uh, it, it looks, it looks, it looks so much more fun on, in the, on the screen in Hollywood. So why shouldn't I want that? Yeah. But unfortunately, you know, it, it, there's so much more to life. So David Green, 20 years old, you know, slow down. My mother once put, she, when I, during those times, she took a, a cup of tea, and, uh, of tea and, and made it for me and said, David, I want you to taste the tea. I thought she was crazy. But you know what? She was right on. She 
because I was going so fast I couldn't even taste the tea. So she wow. wanted me to slow down and make sure that I was able to taste the tea of life. That's and, cool, uh, man. That's, that's my message to David Green of 20 years old. Right on, man. And clearly you, you were given a sign that you recognized, and I guess to other people, you know, look for the signs, right? And be aware of it. Exactly. They're there exactly. for, they're there for a reason, right? Right. And so some people have incredible visions of what they should do or not do in life, but they ignore them because, ah, that was just a weird thought. But you should, they should listen carefully to some of those weird thoughts. They're not so, so strange. They're not so, uh, you know, abstract that you you may actually be onto something and like listen listen closer to what what your soul is telling you, um, and you may find the treasure a lot easier. Absolutely, that is beautiful. Awesome, David. This has been a real pleasure sharing with you. I really appreciate you bringing your wisdom and the value of your experience to our listeners in the world. And I I just can't say. Uh, you know, it's very humbling for me to experience these types of things because I realize, you know, I could be doing more in my own world. So I hope that uh, some of this will rub off on me as well, but I definitely would like to support you in having people check out your your book and your music and your program. It all sounds really exciting. I appreciate you sharing Thank it today. You. Thank you. And if you, if, you, um, if you just keep in touch with my emails on my website, at any point you want to ask me some questions or share something, then I'm, 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 I'm here and, you know, I'm always willing to try to reach out to other people. That is great, man. It's really, really nice that you do that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you being a guest today. And I just want to tell you it's been a pleasure and I hope to speak to you again soon. Okay. Great. Awesome, man. Bye-bye. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast Show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out ToddCastShow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast Show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Mira, host of the Toddcast Show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. 
I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.